Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, halflings. How are you doing? It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined, as always, by the fantastic... Leando Nati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati. And the brilliant... Jeremy Cobb, but one person calls me Jack because I played a dog named Jack in a play that I did with her. And she liked the way that I barked. <laughs> that is the story. You bark, boy. Uh, anyway. Jasper was um, there. It was a pretty good I, bark. I was there. Yeah. It was a good bark. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, um, well, it's a, a strange uh, feeling for me as I have not actually um, brought and found this incredible guest that we have on today. Uh, this has been all down to uh, our amazing Inati. Uh, do you, you want to go and introduce our incredible guest this week? <laughs> Okay, okay, sorry, I'm gushing and it's weird. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Um, today we have the amazing, the most wonderful, the queen of wholesomeness and spreader of love and joy and kindness, the cutest, pewdie patootie, and smartest, most amazing, sweet Korean learning honey and dice. You are not delicious! Let's listen to us talk about that on episode three. <laughs> Let's make them even more black. Oh my god! Vandal in the broad! Lemming, lemming, teachable moment. Yeah. Full prince vibe? Woo! Is this the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon? <laughs> That's disgusting and I love it. We're about to get into something real big now. Yeah! Uh, honey, I feel like now, I feel like, honey, now you immediately need to have a voice that sounds like this. <laughs> what up? And just have the most the foulest language and just be completely just a jerking person for the rest of the interview. The funny thing about that is that my regular, without putting effort into it, talking voice is like baby. But I've had to train myself over the years to talk at a lower register because of career and profession and all the rest of it. And this is my mm-hmm. lower register already still in the baby range, but still. <laughs> <laughs> already in the baby range. Never change. Um, so uh, we just really wanted to talk to you about all of the amazing things that you do. Um, uh, and I guess we're just going to like dive in with some with some questions. The first thing that I would like to to chat to you about quickly um it's sort of like mainly like your origin story with D, but um slightly differently from other interviews i'd really also like to know like cyber security though like look at you breaking these glass ceilings you know what i mean like <laughs> yes, black yes. woman in tech out here mm-hmm. stunting mm-hmm. and like running the game with these D games and these other sort of ttp um ttrpg games just like out here living with your heart on your sleeve tell me about that origin story please and thank you I feel like I have said this several times. So if people listening to this have listened to another interview, hey, I'm back at it again. But yeah. <laughs> um, with the white van. Um, <laughs> I always say I got started with the TTRPG 
world and playing games and things like that because I love storytelling. I've been reading since I was three. So my love of stories and world building and everything started at a very young age because not only was I reading at three, but I also didn't have a lot of video games and TV and so on. I joke around and say I got a block in a book and not those Legos or linking logs or things that interconnect, but like the wooden blocks, <clears throat> you know, that came in the yeah. little pack. Yeah. And you had like, the yeah. red like one, Jenga box. the orch one. Yeah. Like and Jenga actually, box kind of. Yeah, mm. yeah. One of them was an arch and you could pretend it was a phone and the little oh, cylinders yeah, were carrying. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Yeah. That mm. you had whole storylines around those blocks. But. <laughs> When I started to play with other people and the concept of play pretend came up, I didn't know how to play pretend right with the just Mm. fly by the seat of your pants. Mm. My play pretend was all very organized. There was like, here is the setting. Here is the world. Here is your character. (laughs) This is my character. (laughs) This is season one. This is season two. (laughs) No, no, no. That's too early in your story arc. Let's just focus. (laughs) You know, someone like, I want to be, I want to be a fire breathing gorilla. That doesn't fit. This this, this doesn't fit with what we're doing. Sorry. This is the, this is the the mini Star Trek game. This is not the fantasy game you can go do that maybe in, in the spinoff like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I say that to kind of with the premise of so when i started to military brat here so when i was about to move away from everybody that we were playing with and stuff for all these years and internet was there and there was forums you could build and all that kind of stuff i said let me build a forum so we can continue playing together and that introduced me to the online RPG worlds and the writing communities and all the rest of that. And when I learned that there was a way to add checks and balances to the storytelling with dice and all the rest of that, I was like, oh my goodness, look at this. (laughs) So I started with those D10 systems that they would make every time a TV show or something was super popular. There would be this D10 that rolled out for uh, Buffy or for uh, Firefly or for whatever the show might be mm-hmm. they would have this ttrpg d10 system that would exist people would take that program it into i'm gonna date myself here but the telnet settings and so mm-hmm. on or the dice rolling uh, scripts in irc and you'd be writing in paragraphs and then you could roll your dice and i loved mm-hmm. that there were checks and balances mm-hmm. so i started to learn systems i avoided dnd honestly until i was an adult because somehow I convinced myself it had to be the hardest system. Uh, hmm. But I say that as someone whose favorite system was like Call of Cthulhu, basic roleplay percentile-based <laughs> system. <Yeah. laughs> I love Call of Cthulhu so much. So it was like I started doing and playing the Dungeons & Dragons sort of games when someone asked me to play in a charity stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, sure. They say it was D and D. I've never played it before, but if it's dice and character building, I can do it. That connects to cybersecurity in a very odd way. <laughs> that connects <laughs> to cybersecurity because I was introduced to a lot of communities, writing communities, gaming communities, and so on from a very young age. Um, and as an adult, I can look back and see that there was a lot of things I was exposed to at a very young age that I was very too 
very much too young <laughs> to have been exposed to. Um, there were less protective measures uh, online at that time mm. uh, to keep people from preying on other people or targeting people or even really giving the adults and children's lives a better idea of what's going on. Mm. So when I graduated and yeah, I was 16 when I graduated from high school. So I said, I want, I love languages. I love music. I had competed in poetry for years, studied languages, wrote all this kind of stuff, kind of threw everyone for a loop, especially everyone else. Like you play piano. You're so good. I said, I'm going into cybersecurity because I wanted to find a way to better protect children online. Yes. So that's really why I got into cybersecurity because of that concern and the languages and the music and all of that actually helped uh, because I already could type pretty quickly because of playing piano uh, for years (laughs) and learning codes and languages and new jargon and stuff. When you learn to read music or different languages, especially things like Greek or Japanese, it all made that learning process easier for me. But that's really why I got into cybersecurity is because I was concerned about other children online. Yeah. yeah that's a when I graduated with my first degree, Google had already come up with safe search. And I was like, well, so. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. Ah, uh, <laughs> but what it allowed me to do is have the expertise where people would listen when I would go speak at a school or talk to parents and so on mm-hmm. about changing the approach to internet uh, security from being, oh, gotcha, you're not supposed to do that, to this is what is out there. This is what's appropriate for you at this age. This is how to do it safely. And let's have an open dialogue about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and so on, so that people don't get themselves into dangerous situations because they're always hiding things because of the mm. gotcha. And I didn't know that. I'm going to stop mm. it and Mm, mm. Yeah, it's almost like the embarrassment factor, I yeah. guess, of being caught. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's really. Yeah, no, that's that's so exciting because because I oh, I encountered because I was like doing some research today for this and I was like oh I was kind of born a little like I didn't really grow up with the internet that much like I was mm-hmm. quite old when it sort of landed. Um, you I'm old. Wow, I'm so old. Um, and then <laughs> forty eight, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then, and then I, it was like I'd opened up this weird door in my mind that I'd shut and all of the stuff fell out. When I started to just think about it for a moment, I was like, oh, wow, no, that was a dark place. Okay, mm. let's put all of that back in there. We didn't need to think about that. We, we had dealt with that. That door was yeah. shut. <laughs> Why did we open it up again? Um, so that's like... that totally was, right? It was the Wild West when we were all younger. Like, I remember mm. back in the dial-up days just being like, I can type in anything and it will come up. Yeah, like, anything. Not a Okay. It's not. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, I wanted to ask about those um, those uh, charity streams and, like, namely, like the work that you do um, around mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion in the communities, um, and uh, not only sort of uh, um, LGBTQI inclusion plus inclusion or gender or gender based inclusion or race based inclusion, but also like including people who are differently abled, like because mm. I think I think. I think as a as a non is that the term non differently abled person? I think I think uh, I think disabled is at least in the United States mm-hmm. very commonly used at this point. Mm. Okay, disabled versus abled. 
Yes, thank you. That's what I what I meant. Yes, English runaway. Um, it's my second language. Um, so um, yeah, uh, being um, not as an able person, like trying to bring that into my games and making players who may be um, disabled feel comfortable and included and not feel like they're being erased. What thoughts do you have? around that. So when I first started to deal with all of this online, I was more surprised that it was such an issue or Mm. that there was such a gap there because Mm. in my brain, I live in a world that is full of so many different, I'll use the example, like so many different colored pieces of thread to this beautiful tapestry that is humanity that in all my world building and storytelling and things like that, I, n- I never had to reach and say, I want to make sure I include this. Or I want to make sure I include that. Or I want to make sure these players feel comfortable playing characters that reflect them. That was just part of the worlds in my head. So mm. when I started to interact mm. with other people mm. and I started to see um, that there was some resistance to the idea of if somebody else wants to play something in a specific way, if it makes someone uncomfortable because it is other, there is a clash, there is a conflict. And I personally just find that like at a certain level, a little bit ridiculous. Like Mm. my brain cannot grasp, like if you don't like avocado and this person has avocado in their salad, why are you tripping about the avocado? Like you don't have to eat it. I, I, I had a conversation just like this the other day like, with not not the avocados, but actually D and D, where I was talking to a guy uh, about how I was like, oh, I think it's cool that Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything now gives you the option to customize uh, your racial traits and in, in potentially even customize the race itself in quite a lot of in quite a few ways. And that person was like, you know, yeah, I really disagree with that. And I was like, how do you mean? And they were like, well, I just, I really like the idea. This is the actual words they use. I really like the idea of some races just being better at things than others. Uh, And I feel like overall, like that's a part of the game that I think it would be good to keep. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, (laughs) not everybody wants to play that way. So, and they, they didn't make it mandatory that you have to do it. It's just, it gives people the option. It basically just, op- it, it, it made the option because people were already doing it, obviously, but now they've mm. made it official that there are now mechanisms yeah. in game to do, or like in, within the rules themselves to be able to do it. Uh, you know, so it, it doesn't stop you from playing the way that you want to. It just gives up, lets other people play the way they want to. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess that's, that's nice. Uh, I just don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> and we just so, kind of moved on. It, it, <laughs> it's it's like, okay. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that always makes me tilt my head to the side and, and really avoid those type of dialogues. Because I really, I really am focused on uh, the light and the laughter and everything else like that. Mm. So I really don't have the spoons or the times to engage in drama. <laughs> you know, I yeah. might look like I'm still in high school, but I haven't been in high school for a minute. I'm not trying to relive the hormonal days. So yeah, <laughs> as it comes to nobody wants to do so that. With like it's, it's <laughs> I'm so glad. Yo. Like diversity and inclusion, I've always said you can't have a conversation about diversity and inclusion without also discussing accessibility and uh, the inclusion of people who live with challenges, whether they're physical mm-hmm. or mental, or 
you know, even uh, during their their discover their journey of self discovery. And I've even said that in corporate meetings when they have to conversations about diversity and inclusion. I say I really don't see the point of having this conversation if we're not going to talk about visibility being given into what programs and processes and improvements are being put in place to make sure that this is a inclusive and accessible workplace for all of your employees, especially if you say that you are uh, endeavoring to accommodate people with disabilities or neurodivergent conditions and so on. So when it comes to, I think there's two parts to this. When it comes to people wanting to play characters who have disabilities or are disabled based on, and I use both terms because some people are comfortable with saying I have a disability and some people are comfortable with saying I am disabled. It is Mm -hmm. a personal choice. One is not Mm -hmm. better than the other. Um, But people with disabilities or neurodivergent conditions and so on, if a person wants to play a character that is disabled and they are not disabled themselves, I take a little bit more time to walk through the reasons why they want to play this character, how they planned on depicting it, and so on. In private games, uh, this is a little bit easier to deal with. I tell people Mm. in the streaming world, there's sort of a time and a place, and you have to understand that if you are in front of a lot of people, you do have to care about the impression Mm. that you are leaving. Mm. Uh, Mm. So private versus public games. I usually tell people if you don't have any experience in a particular disability or so on that is this heavily impacts your life. I'm not talking Mm. about, oh, someone is missing, you know, a leg because it got ate off by a dragon. That's something that you really won't fall into like stereotypes and dangerous, almost mocking territory, Mm. but things Mm. like blind being blind or uh, visually impaired or deaf or hearing impaired and so on. Those are type of disabilities that I tell people to steer away from if they're going to depict those characters Mm. in a public Mm. game. Yeah. That Uh, that kind of stuff. I remember back, uh, I think circa two circa uh, season three of community, like the mm -hmm. last half of that show, I used to be on the AV club all the time, the website, and they would have these long uh, discussions about that show. And there was somebody on there who was themselves on the autistic spectrum who did not like the way that they had handled part of Abed's arc in the Mm -hmm. last half of season three. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a matter of like, I wasn't a fan of this, but like, because they hadn't seen, this person hadn't seen very many uh, depictions of people on the spectrum in Mm -hmm. media that they felt were respectful or reflected their own experiences. And Abed up until this point had, it was actually really hurtful to this person Mm. uh, for, for this particular uh, character direction to not, like make jive with their perception of how he should have acted. So it wasn't just like a, you know, I just wasn't a fan of that. It was just like a, wow, this is personally hurtful to me because you're now reflecting me in a way that is inaccurate. It feels mm-hmm. like, and that, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's exactly, that seems like it's exactly what you're talking about there. And, and there, there's enough represent there's an, out there in the tabletop RPG community right now. There are a lot of people who would love the opportunity to play at a table and to, uh, play characters that reflect themselves mm. that I think you almost don't 
need people saying, I want my character to be blind. Because the first thing that pops in my mind is why. Does it anytime someone comes to me and says, I want my character to be blind, is it why? Is it because you want to better empathize with people who are visually impaired? And you want to put in the time and the research and talk to people and really find out what is a respectful way to depict this because you want them to see somebody or a character that reflects them? Or is it a because some systems have feats and so on, or is it because you want the feet to get advantage in this other point or that, and you could really mm. care less. But the second one is if you're talking about accommodating people mm. who the players themselves are, have disabilities and so on, um, as a, it's a, it's a DM, as a game master, as a storyteller, whatever the title of the person is in the system that you run you have to take personal responsibility of mm-hmm. to make sure that the people at your table have the things that they need to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have played at tables, even with people who had English as a second language. Mm-hmm. And they came up to me before the table and before the game. And they're like, I'd really like to play because I've never played before. And you're offering a beginner's game, but I'm worried because English is not my first language. And I just get to say, I got you. And Mm. know that for some people having more written aids are important to them because they may not be Mm -hmm. able to, to translate quickly in their head to speak or they have Mm. to do that second piece of translation when you're speaking. But if you've Mm. written out the handouts or you write it down for them to see and so on, I know personally there's some languages that I can read and understand better than I can when I hear it. So I always sit down with those people and ask, does a visual aid help you more or are Mm. you fine with just the audio? Uh, That means being understanding when people need to use secondary devices. I know a Mm. lot of people will be like, oh, I don't want phones at my table because it's a distraction. You have people who are neurodivergent who actually need that distraction, whether it's for stimming purposes Mm. or to focus themselves or anxiety, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and they're not using their phone to be rude, that's just part of how they are able to engage with the outside world in social mm-hmm. settings. Mm-hmm. You have people who have uh, dyscalculia, you have people who have all sorts of things that you may or may not be aware of, and they are not required to disclose if somebody doesn't want to disclose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they do tell you this is a challenge, I need, I can't use paper because I'm visually impaired. So I have to use my laptop because it has my screen reader on it or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to make those accommodations. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I always ask before I get into a space, is there easy access to a plug? Because people who do need to plug up their devices in order to participate in the game, I don't want it to be a huge production. So mm-hmm. you just have to educate yourself, mm-hmm. know your table, mm-hmm. and make sure every person feels comfortable coming mm-hmm. to you. An mm-hmm. important question to always ask, if they don't introduce it as a topic to the whole table, and whether it is a visible or an invisible disability or medical challenge or neurodivergent situation Mm -hmm. do you want the rest of the people at the table to be aware of this or not most times they'll say i don't mind because it's easier to play in a group if everybody knows what to accommodate um Mm. 
and yeah that that's that's a lot but it just depends on if you're talking about characters or you're talking about players because uh, mm-hmm. not everyone who is disabled wants to play a disabled character of course mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah yeah and absolutely. vice versa so yeah. there's so many nuances to that and i think it's a beautiful opportunity yeah. uh, to tell new stories with people who have very interesting points of view mm. yeah and also have some very, I think, positive conversations, as you said, with yep. those people that will help you to, I guess, gain more empathy for their position uh, and hopefully understand uh, better how to engage with people who might have like might have a disability or some kind of condition in the future. Um, I've, yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of uh, a, big, a big advocate of talking to people about <laughs> Like whatever, if there's something that's different about them than you, even if you're not going to be playing a D and D game, I've just in my I've I've said it before on the show, but I'm a very big fan of engaging with the person, not as like a representative of whatever category they may fit into, but just as that person and engaging mm-hmm. with them about um uh, their experiences in that issue. If you if you purport to be a person's friend, mm-hmm. uh, and you like this person, well, this is part of that person. So you better get to liking this too. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't yeah. know much about it, then, well, here, here's your opportunity to learn uh, if they're mm. willing to talk about it. Uh, and generally, people love to talk about themselves. So like, if, if, you, <laughs> if you ask them genuinely questions, how do you feel about such and such and such and such, as opposed to like, so do, do people in your category feel a certain way when like, as long as they're not being asked to be a stand-in for the whole Mm, category of people and you're engaging Mm. with them as a human being yeah Yeah. big fan i'm loving everything that you're saying yeah Yeah. Yeah. she's great right (laughs) it's fantastic so great (laughs) um i and i mean sorry i just keep gushing every sort of 10 minutes it's ridiculous (laughs) um um so then i so then yeah that's 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 all really kind of beautiful and mind-blowing i I think i think what we try and foster here and I, i hope i'm not just speaking for myself is a sense of um uh, of community and getting people all up on the same page so that all of us can enjoy this game um, mm. and other games like it in a way that is nurturing and and safe and fun and 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 super cool. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question now. <laughs> Jasper, you are so much better at this than me. <laughs> uh, hey, look, I've had I've had practice. I've had practice. <laughs> um, I know you get to talk about this a lot, but I just want to hear it again because it's so great. Um, I really want, and I also want people who may not have heard it elsewhere to to pick it up. Um, your embrace the initiative workshops for mm-hmm. working DMs. I really want to just dive in um, to that with you, um, and I really want a. I wanted to know like what drew you to creating these workshops. Like, what was the impetus? Was there a gap that you had noticed? And then just talk about like um, about the workshops themselves and how they run. So Embrace the Initiative came about because I kept seeing an online forums and so on, the same sort of questions of, hey, I'm thinking about running a game for the first time. What should I know or what should I look out for or what should I do? And I saw a lot of answers from more of the mechanical uh, side of things, mm-hmm. a lot of the methodology behind, methodology, methodology. behind. Yeah, methodology mm-hmm. behind 
uh, various systems and how just to get started and you need a dice and you need some players and so on. But I saw very little said about, how do I put this, heart? Mm. Mm. Uh, so when I started Embrace the Initiative and I just I pitched it to a convention, not expecting to get any where with it, I said, hey, I want to run a workshop uh, to help teach uh, game masters how to be confident and comfortable uh, leaders in their hobby, uh, focusing on having this safe and supportive space to help them like grow as storytellers and be able to adapt to new situations um, and, and really care not only about the stories, but about who they're telling the stories with. And so I was very surprised <laughs> to find out that not only did it get accepted, but there was quite a few people who signed up to be part of the first one. And then I went to Gen Con and I ran a session there and I said, it's for new and existing because we're going to have a conversation. And because the poet brain and mind with acrostic poetry and all the rest of that was in there, like E M B R A C E. If I make each one of these uh, a talking point in a presentation of what it means to be um, a, a good DM or GM, I can, you know, fill 30 minutes worth of talking and then for the rest of the workshop we'll do basically whose DM is it anyways and everyone would get a theme and they get the opportunity to run like a three minute, you know, scenario for the other people in the workshop and there's lots of laughter and it was a wonderful time. Um, that That's what it really was about was to have this safe space to go over the things like I can go through the EMBR ACE, but like every time is your first time. Meet your players mm. where they are. Be the GM or DM that you'd want to play with. Recognize what you know and be open to learn more. Ask questions and be comfortable with the answers you give. Change what doesn't work and roll with the story. And then, mm. last but not least, each time you GM or do anything in life, focus on leaving the table a little better than you found it. Hmm. I love it so much. That is poetry. I want to get a like, Honestly, that's so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> My heart. Sorry. <laughs> so that that's basically all I said. So, hey, let's just talk about what it means to be a DM or GM from a place of forgiveness and grace, understanding that there's a lot of things that you don't know that you know, and there's a lot of things that you think you know that you don't know. Same with every player at that table. So <clears throat> let's 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 tell a collaborative story. Mm. You know, I said in as a DM GM, you really all I'm doing is going over the instruction manual of you being the banker, so to speak, in this <laughs> monopoly game, but you're still a player. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, that's honestly like there's so much of that. I'm like, oh, if only, if only I'd attended this workshop when I first started DMing. And I think <laughs> that even for the main reason that um, I never realized like how much of a personal experience DMing could be, um, especially when you're doing it with like really close friends and um, because you're going on this like big adventure, right? Like even if it's just in your heads, like I always, I always love that. I can't remember... Um, 
where I heard this from, but uh, someone basically said that the part of your brain which remembers things and sees images is exactly the same part of your brain which imagines the way you imagine mm-hmm. things. And so effectively, as you're playing like D&D, as you look back, you, you are doing exactly the same thing when you remember something that actually happened yesterday as you are thinking about you standing on that hilltop fighting a dragon. And I was like, that's so fascinating to think that then collectively as a group of friends, you're going on this incredible journey, which usually has some emotional stakes, uh, some emotional weight, some uh, interaction, uh, all this sorts of thing. And it can feel incredibly, you can feel incredibly vulnerable as a DM and as a player, of course, at times. And um, actually like just reminding yourself of some of those, like, you know, those core principles that you've just kind of, uh, spoken about there and not the kind of like this is how the rules of D work that you roll the d4 here and a d6 there and a, do you know what i mean and it, and it becomes that because that i feel like that's how i came into dming it was like right i need to make sure i as long as i know the rules i'll be fine as long as i know the rules whereas actually now i'm like ah stuff the rules i want to have fun with my friends yeah. and i want everyone to be enjoying this with me and do you know what i mean it, it, as more of a collective thing and um i just think that's the most fabulous thing that i've heard and i absolutely love uh, the idea of introducing new people to the world of D&D in that way, rather than like the thing that you see more often, which is like, this is exactly how mechanically this subclass and should work. And therefore you need this much strength, this much, do you know what I mean? This much dexterity. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not playing an elf, then forget about it. Like, yeah. you know, because <laughs> I yeah. always say it's, it's a simple equation. It's mutual respect plus mutual dedication Multiply it by mutual appreciation equals collaborative success. Mm-hmm. And if you have that at your table, you're going to have a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that during your session zero, you're covering your safety tools and so on. And I use the term safety tools now because I understand how it is utilized. But before, that was just part of my session zero. You need to make sure you know everyone's um, potential fears or phobias or sensitivities and so on. I had created a rule um, out of necessity around death because people were, you never know what's happening in people's lives. And having been on the side of not being warned about a TPK kind of situation and so on, how emotionally that affected me during different times, always give my players the choice and they can change it that if someone has asked me to kill their player, their character, mm. not their player, the character. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to talk about a different Honey, kind of, whoa. yeah, different kind we of safety tools. Do you tools. want to stop recording? No. Like, I don't a want different kind of to come around your house. No, yeah. if somebody, um, yeah. sorry, 999. Nine, nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if somebody has asked me to kill their character off, which I tell people, please don't ask me to do that. I will write them out. I will do anything. <laughs> please don't ask me to do that. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do like that. to do that. But if somebody wants players. their character to leave a story, <laughs> Um, I said, as a group, would you want to know that this exit is coming or are you okay with it being a surprise? Because I've run into the situations where other players are more invested in another person's character's survival than the player. And they get very, very emotional when they're, you know, I cast this healing and I did this and I stopped and as a DM, I'm constantly having to come up with new ways to try to foil them because of this mm. request that has been made. 
Mm-hmm. I have had some players say I'm okay with going along with the story and it being a surprise. Then I've had other players say no one has ever given me that option before. I would actually like to know. Um, you don't have to give me details, but at least like a little heads up that if it starts to go, you know, south, south. that <laughs> everyone is expecting that. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're having a good time. To me, that's like spoiling something. People have some people they don't want to know any spoilers at all, and then you have some people who be like, "Tell me if the dog dies." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need yeah. to be emotionally prepared Warn for me. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend so, who cannot, who literally, if she starts getting inve- emotionally invested in a series, she will deliberately go to the Wikipedia page mm-hmm. and read all of the spoilers because mm-hmm. she gets so. Because the the show now becomes actively uncomfortable for, uncomfortable for her to engage with, unless she's sure that uh, these two people end up together or something like that. <laughs> oh, uh, it, no. but like uh, the uncertainty makes it like truly unpleasant to <laughs> to view the show any further. <laughs> mm. I I just wanted to go back as well quickly, honey, because it's something that you said that really like I think you said it a few times actually, and every time you said it, it's really resonated with me. Which is like that's just how I imagined it the whole time, and I was then actively surprised when something wasn't like that. And like I remember meeting the material of like the books of D and D and being like, "What do you mean you can't have like you're not supposed to have an intelligent orc?" Like it just seems like it was. It's such a funny thing where and I, and I don't know if it's anything to do with um I th- anything to do with uh, uh, us as people or, or what what it is the machinations that lead to you kind of investigating things in that way or not I guess is the case but it just seems so funny to me that like some people would have a real problem with the concept of, a fu- of like a smart orc I'm using that yeah. as a very kind of broad term to encapsulating many many different things mm-hmm. that aren't included but it just seems very um uh, it seems like a very strange thing and i'm wondering whether you've how you've like combated i guess uh if that's the right word to use but like how you've kind of like come up against that and sort of said like you know kind of got around the whole like look we aren't hurting you you play you go over there and play the game how you want to play it with your friends do you know what i mean go play beautiful elves and dumb orcs it's fine we're gonna do something else <laughs> i'm just wondering how you've kind of existed in this space mm-hmm. and still have so much light and joy <laughs> trying to change it. <laughs> that's the, that's so the core of it. When it comes to gaming systems, I tend to learn the mechanics so I know how those rules work, but I invest very little time in the lore. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> because the way my brain works is that's a story someone has already written, and mm. it is a story somebody may be inspired by but we're at my table to tell a new story. It's a lot of information for me to try to keep track of. You know, I have some neurological damage from medical injuries and so on. So I can get quite overwhelmed because it's very difficult for me to forget information, but I can't always access it as quickly as I would like. So if you give me a whole bunch of information that I don't need... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's difficult for me to shift yeah. that and find the stuff that I do sure. I always joke around about uh, D&D specifically because Dungeons and Dragons TM or whatever I don't own a single D&D resource but I have DM'd for like huge charity streams and so on and ran the systems with no problem 
up because <laughs> I know the basic rules. I've got mm-hmm. the character sheets. Let's yeah. tell the story. That's all you need, right? Um, yeah. My interpretation of, I think, statistics and attributes and all those kinds of things also play a part. I think you, you mentioned intelligence as a stat, and that's always an interesting mm. conversation to me. Because if you look at a system like Basic Roleplay or Call of Cthulhu, where it has education and intelligence mm. and mm. different systems will break that down in different ways you know you've got mm. intelligence versus wisdom you know common sense versus book sense and so on i never really saw a lower stat as a character defining um necessity for instance if you've got low wisdom I don't think that necessarily means, especially if you've chosen a background where you were a merchant or something like that, that you don't have the ability (laughs) to make good decisions on your own. (laughs) But let's explore that in a way that makes sense to the character you've created. Mm. Because... I, you may not be a detective. You may be a super fighty, I'm a combat, I used to be a gladiator type of character. And we're playing an investigative adventure. You may not have forensic knowledge, but you've been in enough fights to be able to look at a body and maybe identify what type of weapon did this. Mm-hmm. So the necessity yeah. to fall back on the traditional stats or requests for skills I do something in my game called a player bid, which is we get to a situation where everyone has to face a challenge or overcome something together. I give them the opportunity or sometimes they ask me, can I make a bid, which is them asking to use a skill or attribute on their sheet that may not have come to my mind to deal with the situation in a unique way that makes sense to that character. And if Mm. they succeed, they get to role play that out. So... Mm. That's always a beautiful thing to me. <laughs> Sometimes a terrifying thing where they start out with now. Hear me out. <laughs> when I hear that one, I'm like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm going to put a no out there now, yeah. but I'm willing to retract it if you nail this. Like, you know, sure, go ahead. Difficulty, this is going to be high difficulty Okay, level, this is a 30. Yeah. You've rolled a 31. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, I just yeah. say how you interpret Uh, I'll say this. Your imagination should be a place of freedom and creativity and Mm. expression, expressing yourself in your unique way based on how your brain works. So to put that in a box based on what everyone else expects you to think about something is not how I operate. In in fact, that that's, that's really, it stresses me out when that's the expectation you know, and I've even told some people I can run it. I can I can run this game, but it's going to be something that I wrote because <laughs> when it's something somebody else has created, it's challenging for me. Yeah, because I don't want to. Sp- 
spoil somebody else's story. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's so fun. I am exactly the same because I uh, I, I really enjoy writing. I mm-hmm. love writing. I've I've done a v- version of it, like you said, like world building. I think since I was about like two years. Mm-hmm. Old. Do you know what I mean? Like, as long as I could speak out loud or hold a pen, I feel like I've been trying to tell stories, and usually terribly. Do you know? What I'm not saying my writing's good because it's not. But I think it's like I then have like this kind of respect for writers in the sense that I feel exactly the same. I recently with my partner started trying to run my first ever like module mm-hmm. like specifically just because my partner really liked it and uh, she's not really into ttrpgs and so she was just like okay i like this so let's play this and i was like okay fine and it's so funny because i got about 10 minutes into it and i was like oh, i'm so stressed like trying to read through <laughs> like wait it says it's on page 200 ah! like my brain was already just like complete mush because i couldn't i found it so hard I, by, by, I got about halfway through the session and went, okay, I'm telling a new story. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> but like, I found it so hard at the beginning to be like, cards, how do, not... yeah, like, how do I, uh, you know, when, when uh, normally I would be like the most elastic DM and I do exactly like, I, I try to do as much as you, like exactly what you say. Like, if you can justify how you do that thing, I might make you still roll for it. I might not if you could justify it really well, etc. You like, do you know I mean you tell me what your character does? Whereas in this setting, I was just like, ah, you open that door. I, I don't want to just make something up because what if I make something up and then suddenly and literally I did like there was one point where I was like I introduced a character that I'd seen on a random page it's like okay they can be there and then I remember we walked through another corridor and they're like oh this character should be there I was like. No, they're back in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. They have a twin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they have a set of information that is completely different to what the their twin gave you. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the evil so twin. I, yeah, ev- yeah, evil twin. They're deceitful. I don't know. Yeah, honestly. So I'm, I, I'm so there with you. It's so hard. It's and I, and I, I, I absolutely do uh, applaud anyone who can like flawlessly run a module because it is tough. It is tough, um, and it's just so much easier when you're in control of the world. Just like, and this happens, Boop. like, yeah. and and also to be able to, like you said, be fle- to be the flexible DM that you want to see. I don't know how I would negotiate certain when I've come up against challenging moments because they happen all the time where uh, players are either upset about a, a character death or or a certain thing happening or a, an NPC death or something like that, something big. Those moments, I don't know how well i could negotiate those running a module versus running my mm-hmm. own game where i go i am i have the freedom and i am comfortable enough to navigate this in a way that i know is going to be uh suitable for my players mm-hmm. and not just suitable for what was what, what was suitable for someone else's players mm-hmm. i.e like when someone wrote this module you know mm-hmm. um so yeah but really fascinating and ah oh, yeah so many things i'm just like ah oh, yes this yes is so good yes i need to attend this workshop yes 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 <laughs> me too i'm like mm, how do i sign up um and yeah. and on that note um we always like to to ask for a tale from the table yes like do you have like a story something amazing epic or sad or funny or whatever um or really <laughs> annoying um that happened at a table you just can't get out of your brain and, 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 and you love or hate. Oh, God, I need to stop talking. <laughs> we enjoy it when you talk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We do. Your voice is so It's literally musical. the point of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Thank a you. huge part of the show. And I agree, your voice is very musical. Thank you. Very musical. 
I am I'm struggling a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm a mimic. And if I hear voices long enough and it's not a conscious thing, it just happened from when I was younger, I will start to mimic that person's speech patterns. And I had to learn that people would think you were making fun of them, but I wasn't. I, just, I am the same. <laughs> it's just like, this is what I'm hearing. And if I'm going to like say, oh, this is what so-and-so said, like it could be big you know, Billy Bob that I work with. And I'm like, and then he came to my desk, like, what you doing today? Like, and I just do that because that's yeah, in my with head. the actual yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. Honestly. In <laughs> Sling Blade. Yeah, yeah. He's just in character of Sling Blade all the time. <laughs> like, honestly. We're here working honestly. in cybersecurity. <laughs> honestly, true story. I walked into a corner shop with my mum once when I was about, I think it was like six or something years old. I'll have to clarify exactly how old I was. And um, there was a lovely gentleman of uh, Pakistani descent mm-hmm. behind the desk. And he started serving my mum. And I immediately started speaking back to him in a Pakistani accent. <laughs> luckily, luckily. <laughs> Luckily, he thought it was really funny because, and he was actually kind of impressed that this six-year-old could do a pretty decent Pakistani accent. Yeah. But my mom was mortified. Alive. Honestly, she still tells me the stories. And my mom has publicly wanted to beat me. Like she said, I've never wanted to raise a hand to you, but in that moment, I was like, shut up, stop. <laughs> so I am. So yeah. there with you, honey. I'm yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> uh, but say till from the table. I this is always challenging because I love my players so much. Just about every table I've ever been at, it's been an amazing experience, and I put a hundred percent of that on having amazing casts. I tell people I've never had to put out a casting call and said I'm looking for a diverse cast, or I'm looking for POCs, or I'm looking for this mm. or that. I think I jokingly put it on Twitter recently, but it is a actual quote when someone was like well how do you find these diverse casts i said that's like asking me how do i find seasonings for my food my cabinet is full <laughs> of so just many look. different just seasonings. look like just open your eyes yeah uh, i have choices like i can just reach out and so my friends group and my followers group and the people that i associate with in my social groups are filled with so many people from so many different backgrounds and so many different um you know, from whether it's ethnicities, genders, uh, national, it's just an amazing uh, group of people to play with. So, uh, so I will talk about one of the first groups I put together randomly. And it was just in comments. Somebody was like, we could do an all bard campaign. And I jokingly put, I could run that. And then the people who, So like, I would love to play in that are still really good friends to this day. But I did put together an entire all board, all barred campaign. This HeadGum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. 
Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. (sighs) That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And I called it Inspire. Mm. And... I think I have problems because I wrote a whole, everything, every part of it was musical or lyrical or had um, elements of writing or prose or somewhere in the whole thing. But the first big bad they went up against was the Pied Piper. Nice. Uh, But it was the copycat of the Pied Piper. It was one of the children who had gotten left behind by the Pied Piper uh, originally, mm-hmm. who really uh, admired and so on, and then ended up taking over for the Pied Piper and holding their village hostage for years. And there was a whole storyline because that's how my brain works. And I remember being so uncertain about this group of people that I'm not very familiar with and whether or not they would be comfortable playing in a setting this original because I'm not a like a, a lore master by any stretch of the imagination. But by the time we got to like the season finale of the Pied Piper arc and they had to come up against a sentient lake. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I'm just trying to imagine how to, that combat would go. I'm like, Hmm, how do I, <laughs> it, it was, that, that was one of the most amazing combat scenes uh, that I got to run mainly because I, we had some homebrew items called like work of heart, which is basically a spiritual weapon for a bard. Um, and they got to summon it for the first time and they got to face it. But all of the characters, even the most chill of the characters getting super fr- frustrated with this lake who was going through an existential crisis. <laughs> um, that when you really saw everybody playing off of each other so well and everyone getting even it's amazing when you take a group of strangers and they become friends. Mm-hmm. That That is my favorite tale from any table I've been at is a group of strangers who come together to become friends. But Inspire was my first time doing that. And then from that, I did Clockwork Vines and all the rest of that. And mm-hmm. every table, I could tell you a hilarious story. Yeah. But it would all be because the players that come to my table 
<clears throat> and are willing to take a chance, whether they've played the game before or not, whether they've played online or not, they bring to that table their unique selves. And from that unique self comes such a unique perspective on life that always leaves, at least me, leaving every session feeling like I have grown as a person. Wow. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that's like, that's, so that's TTRPGs in a nutshell right there. Like that, that is exactly my, that is exactly the experience of TTRPGs that I want to have in my life is like that exact sensation. And whether that's that you're players who know each other before and you're playing characters that are all strangers or the other way around, that like either way you all end up becoming closer and more and having a shared experience of beauty like, ah, oh, honey, that was such a beautiful way to sum up. Oh, My love. heart is so Sorry. warm. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just I, like cured a bit of 2020 for me. I, right I, now. Just, like... <laughs> I appreciate it because my, my players let me not get away with a lot, but like I told people, I don't know how to balance encounters. I don't think mm. in that way. I don't think of, oh, they're this level and here we go. Like, it's a miracle because the Bari campaign, they all started at level one. They survived, and it wasn't because I was sizing. You <laughs> had to use, you know. Yeah, that's the thing you don't know, is that this lake they came up against, that was at level one. <laughs> um, and Level one was Tiamat. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, exactly. The most terrifying creature that they faced, that they still to this day, and I'll tease them on Twitter about it all the time, was like the this tiny creature about the size of a small plum called a note nipper that was looked so beautiful, gave out like this soft humming sound that would be a perfect C or a perfect D or so on. And super easy to kill if you can hit them. (laughs) But if one shows up, it's going to call more and they swarm. And if one bites you, unless you kill the one, that has bitten you, you basically have the equivalent of a hunter's mark on you for any other ones that might be in the space. That's incredible. So on and so forth. Oh so they're just like very annoying, beautiful, like mosquitoes. But every time I'd start to describe, you see, you hear a clear bell tone. See, they'd be like, nope, no, nope. No. Out, run. Mm-hmm. Oh, run even. <laughs> um. Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> then I put them in a cow. <laughs> I love you. Put the sentences. The PCs in a cow. I love it. I mean, you could have put the players themselves in a cow. I put the larvae of those in a cow. So that if they damaged, basically, this creature I called a moon cow. Um, if they cut it with slicing damage, they had to roll a dice. And if it got a certain thing, then certain, so many note nippers would be released. Wow. That was, so that was the most glorious moment where I think all three halflings then, when you said, I put them in a cow, all three of us went to different places. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. My, it could have, with how I run games, that was a valid question. I need some clarity on that. that. I, I feel like I, I feel like mine's the opposite way around. In that it's not necessarily the way I run games, but it's the way my players play the games and my inability to say no when I think, hmm, 
this has the potential to be really chaotic and super stupid. I'm here. For yeah, this is going to be really chaotic. <laughs> and so by the end of the session, I'm like, how did we get inside the cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that being an option, but somehow we're here, yeah. and I described it. <laughs> in, the yeah. end, in the end, though, the real cow was inside us all along. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I got to intro. I want to do a second season of it so badly because only one or two of my players figured out what the next chapter was going to be because I described that there was a spider web in the corner, and he got it right away. He's like, no. I said, you never no. know. He said, No. <laughs> And he said, I said, Nazi next. I said, yes. <gasps> I'm, I'm honestly, I feel like uh, the, the, I'm now so uber fascinated about what it's like to play one of your games. Honey. Me too. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to watch on Twitter and just wait until she yeah, does a I'm classic. Yeah, I'm going to go like, go away. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm going to stay away from the cows. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some opportunities coming up. I'll give you all. It's they won't be streamed, but like during the holiday season, I you'd like to run some non-streamed kind of games for people. And um, yeah. yeah, I want to play. I just want to play. I'm I there. like playing. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. So that's the thing. We just want to play. I'm, so. I'm there like a bear. <laughs> uh, thank um, you so much, honey. This has been so wonderful and so warm, and I'm full of joy now. And and I'm, I think we're all full of joy. And uh, please tell people how to find you, how to find these workshops, where to find you on socials, um, and and how to find these charity streams that you do, how to support and get in and get and be a um no okay um, yeah I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> You're the well, only person here who doesn't want to hear you talk. That's yeah, what I find funny about it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 and, yeah, and more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, as always, I'm Honey, aka Honey and Dice. You can find me on Twitter at Honey and Dice. You can find me on Instagram at Honey and Dice. There's just nothing there. I just didn't want anybody to take the name. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there will soon be well i purchased the domain honeyanddice.com but there's nothing there yet so stay tuned there's going to be some exciting things there including schedules and a more clear uh like when charity streams are coming up or what work i'm doing and so mm. on so that that's mm. coming hopefully at the start of the new year um that's pretty much where you can find me right now i don't actively play in any games but if you look up paws and claws or princesses save dragons on youtube i was a part of a couple of those campaigns paws and claws uh that's a pugmire life play mm-hmm. i played a uh the magnificent minister of music miss eartha kitty uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh, and and you can you can find like a, a few things on there about like the venturing academy interview is up there if you look up honey and mm-hmm. dice and some mm-hmm. other stuff if you're looking i don't know why you would but if you are looking for some <laughs> stuff that i've done uh you can find it on youtube or on other people's sites um please keep your eye out at my twitter uh socials because a lot of information will be coming out about a three-day uh charity stream that i am calling honey bunches of hope mm-hmm. um we'll be raising money to uh, purchase gift cards for a local school that takes care of specifically offers uh, daycare and respite care to families who have children with disabilities, medical challenges, and neurodivergent conditions. Mm. It started out specifically taking care of babies and toddlers who had HIV and AIDS. 
because no other places and schools and preschools would take them. And it's sort of uh, grown since then. So every year I try to do a game thon or something to give back. I ask the teachers, what do you need for your classrooms? They give me a list. And previously, after raising the money, I would go to the stores and go get everything they need and go take it up there and deliver it. Uh, this year, because of obvious reasons, I cannot do that. So I am raising <laughs> the money to purchase gift cards so I can have um, a healthy amount to give to each teacher so that they can get what they need uh, for their classrooms for next year. That's amazing. You're That's awesome. A wonderful person. Such honey. a delight. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Just you so like much. honey. I feel like if everyone, everyone needs to be a bit more honey and the world would be a great place. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if everybody just left the, the table and the world a little better than they found it, then everything mm. would be awesome. Like I said, love your you. That's what I tell everybody. My, my biggest mm. thing is to remember to love your you. And if you can't for whatever reason today, that's okay. Because it's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay mm. to be okay. Surround yourself mm. by people who celebrate your successes and support you through your challenges. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about loving your you. And if you need someone else to do that for you for just a little while, I'm here. Even if you don't know me, the world is a better place simply because you exist. <sighs> there you have well, it. I think yeah, we have to we have to end it there. Like there could be no more beautiful. Yeah. Nothing else can be said. That's <laughs> yeah. In uh, uh, in the Shire, they say the three halflings' hearts grew three sizes that day. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, they did. Indeed. Um, oh, so uh, but honey, that was amazing, and it, <laughs> I'm such a pleasure to talk to you. And like, so to hear someone speak so eloquently all of the things that I've been trying to say for six months on this show is like, oh, cool, great, honey said it. Now I can stop. Uh, no, honestly, like it was fantastic. It really was, it was great. Um, thank so you. Thank you. Thank you for, mm. for coming along. Yeah, thank you. I always love to, to have the opportunity to talk to people about what I do and the love that I put into it and hope that they just keep that going. Now, moving on, we go into our first ever Friend of a Took section, which is where we get to shine a light on some incredible people in the community that we have met along the way. These could be shows, charities, or just an individual who is spreading the love and the joy. And this week, we actually got them on the show. Let's get on with it. So we are so thrilled to be joined by Alex on our uh, episode today. I believe, Alex, you'd even uh, messaged us and just said that you were interested in uh, talking about these this stuff and kind of uh, putting it out because, uh, uh, you know, us talking about accessibility generally uh, made you think a little bit about um, the way we approach these things in TTRPGs. And um, we're just really honored to have you on the show. So how are you doing, Alex? And um, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, so I do a podcast as well called A Couple of Characters, and my wife and I will make a fun, unique character every week, or we'll talk about a different aspect of TTRPGs related to creating characters. Mm -hmm. So we do Amazing. that every, uh, well, it comes out every other week, but you know, we do that because mm -hmm. I had so many characters and not enough places to play them. So I was like, mm -hmm. well, let's give them the spotlight, mm -hmm. you know, a very common yes. problem. 
Yes. <laughs> very, the, very the amount of characters problem. I've created on D&D Beyond is truly <laughs> astonishing. So you are, uh, you told us you were registered as legally blind and we were really interested to talk to you about uh, just how that has impacted your uh, sort of enjoyment, I guess, of TTRPGs and, and actually getting involved in TTRPGs. Um, I guess, like, where, where did it start for you? Where did your love of TTRPGs start? Yeah, so I... Well, I, I briefly just want to mention that why I reached out, because I think it's kind of important. I was listening to your show and you guys were talking about, you know, representation of different races and people mm. in like cities that when you enter them. And I finally had the realization, you know, what I never see is anyone with a disability in most mm. of the like T- mm. TTRPGs I've played. Mm. So that mm-hmm. kind of made me reach out and say, hey, you guys might want to talk about this because it's another avenue of representation that i think is being overlooked mm. yes absolutely. absolutely i think absolutely. you know it's and it's you know uh important to have representation for anyone that's marginalized and yeah. you know i think mm-hmm. it's uh so i'm excited to come here and talk about that but uh so how did i get into rpgs is my original story was that my aunt bought me a book of like <laughs> I don't know what it was. It must have been like D and D three or earlier because I was like ten, and I sure. opened it and looked at it and was like, "This is too long to read." And I never played. It. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then in undergrad, at the end of my undergrad, uh, so or university for your, you know, yeah. British yes. listeners, <laughs> yes, uh, at the end of my. Uh, undergrad, my friend just added me to this Facebook group that was like Astra DD 5e campaign, and I messaged him like, "What the heck is this, man?" And he's like, "Oh, we're gonna play D and D, and you're gonna play." And then he sent me the the uh, player handbook, and I read it, and I was like, "Yep, I am gonna play, and I'm gonna love this." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so that that's how I got into D and D, and I've played a few other RPGs since, but I always come back to D and D. I love that approach though. The uh the I looked at it and was like, nah, this is too long, I'm out. Like <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I definitely I know a lot of nerds yeah. that had that exact same reaction. Like, <laughs> I just love the fact that your friend's like, you're playing, and then you read the you're thing playing. and you're like, Oh no, yeah. you're right, you're right, I am playing. Oh wow. Like you found out yeah. that you were you discovered that you were about to play this game just from reading, like, oh yes, no, you were right, I am. Right. Yeah. Thank you for you're letting me know. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it was funny because I, you know, going through the player sandbook and i'm like mm-hmm. reading through the races and i'm like all right i think i'm gonna be an elf and then he messages me back all right now you gotta pick a class and then all right i think i'm gonna be a ranger and then he messaged me back again all right now pick a background and i was like oh man there's just you know i mm-hmm. didn't realize <laughs> how much it was to it yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you got yeah. feats and all yeah. you know yeah. it just keeps going and going and going but yeah. that's when it gets very spicy mm. but i'm like unati <laughs> where once i got my hand on the player sandbook i read the whole thing you know, mm. and I was like, I can be anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anything? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's amazing. I love. I love. I love a good origin story. Mm. I feel like everyone. I feel like everyone's is very unique, but there's always elements of like other peoples that you really recognize in there, like mm. the way they were drawn into into uh, this stuff. Um, how do you approach it? Uh, within the games that you either play in or that you uh, I don't know if you uh, you DM in any uh, games yourself but I'd love to know what your what your approach is and what kind of advice you would have for someone who is thinking about oh do you know what I need to get some more um, 
sort of um, yeah please uh, representation into my games uh, my streams you know whatever it could be yeah even just for me directly because i'm hardcore clocking my privilege right now yeah i just got like, i just got hit in the face with like a privilege breeze block of pain right yeah yeah Yeah. so i think uh, you know a lot of even like you guys where i was you know a person even though i had a disability when i started playing i didn't really notice it for a while and then once i listened to your podcast recently you know this summer i was like oh yeah this this would be cool um Mm. so i think for me a lot of the time it was not really there and i didn't really think about it because well, as a person with a visual impairment, obviously I don't want my characters to be blind too because I'm like, well, this is a fantasy world. Why mm. can't I be able to see, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I think so. I think my advice would be for anyone trying to add some people with disabilities is really don't make their disability their only character trait. Like, mm. oh, they're in a wheelchair yes. and that's who they are. It's like, yeah. no, they're a complex person and they can be a jerk. They could be nice, mm-hmm. but they're in yeah. a wheelchair, you know? Just, yeah. and, yeah. you know, it's kind of the, the, there's the trope of like people that are handicapped might be, or people with disabilities might be nice because they're like oh they can't be mean but i'm like i mean they can be assholes yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like in my mind like right now like i'm imagining like i don't know like a sight impaired ranger who like uses tremor sense but like with like an expanded range but it's a complete dickhead like yeah. he's like yeah. he's like Geralt like to the max like he's a total <laughs> asshole yeah. <laughs> yeah so Alex I'm curious would would you ever at the, now that you've thought about uh, now you've been kind of kind of become more aware uh, of of the lack of representation would you be interested in playing a uh, a visually impaired character at some point um I always thought it'd be really cool to be a, a blind monk because I feel like monks, you know, they're yes. already so powerful. And it's like, well, yeah, why can't they have blindsight too? Because yes. you know, monks are yeah. already, they're already broken. Let's, why not break them a little more? <laughs> they are so broken. <laughs> Hashtag ban the monk. I'm never going to give it up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think I I have considered it. And, you know, like I said, you know, it would just be a complex character. And this is just one aspect of it. But I definitely think I'd have to have a DM that would work with me and make sure that it's mm. like, well, mm. I don't want someone that's like, well, the blind condition means you have disadvantage on every attack and yeah, attacks no. against no. you have an advantage. Oh. And it's like, well, if I've yeah. been blind for 20 years, I have I feel adapted. Like I would overcome yep. some of this, you know? I'm adapted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, sure, if they went blind a month ago, then probably they would have that disadvantage. <laughs> yes, but, you know? yeah. Or, or in yeah. the in the heat of battle, you know, and you yeah. you've relied on your eyesight for however yeah. long, and you suddenly, um, absolutely, like someone casts darkness. Yeah, you might struggle to hit things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or like, so uh, uh, I'm really interested in um, what your kind of uh, your thoughts are, I guess, on. Um, players uh choosing uh i guess choosing to have a dis- like giving their their characters a disability um i'm interested in what your take is on on that like the idea of um uh, of introducing a disability or or a, an impairment of, of some sort as a character choice right i think it's not a bad idea but i think it's you know one of these things where you got to be kind of careful that you don't mm. want to do it wrong and then make mm. it weird so 
I have a story about this. My, I have a friend that recently played a character with a prosthetic arm and mm-hmm. the arm they had was like a magic arm. And so they basically just had a hand and I was like, well, what's the point of, you know, having a prosthetic arm if you're not facing any of the challenges that come with that? You know, you're basically just playing mm-hmm. someone with an extra like a magic hand. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, I was like, I don't really mm. know what the point was, but I, I get your, you know, I I understand the the idea behind it. It's like, oh, it would be nice if they had like a disability because they were in a war and they lost their mm. arm. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But I feel like you had to, I'm not saying you had to face challenges necessarily, but you just have to make sure you're approaching situations from a different perspective, right? Like, if you have yeah. a prosthetic leg, hmm. you're probably not going to be as good at running. So you might opt to stay back a little bit more often and probably not mm-hmm. run up in melee. Hmm. Or yeah. if you have a prosthetic arm, you're probably not going to want to use a, like a two-handed weapon because if someone jars it, it might pop the arm off. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think yeah. it's just like, I definitely think you can play them. Just got to consider these so- sorts of things and like, how can I play this but represent this disability in a way that is like not offensive but also um not like just why do you even have it you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 absolutely that you you yeah. still incorporate it as a part of the character yeah uh, it's not just it's not just there as like a as a sort of an add-on or like a, like a meaningless kind of thing it's like anything else uh in the end that you you allow that you allow it to inform your choices yeah, uh, exactly. and, and the way yeah. you play a character. Yeah. Uh, it's like um, with the, the Harry Potter books and mm-hmm. after the fact, JK Rowling is like, Oh no, Dumbledore was gay. And it's like, well, you didn't show yeah. us that he was gay. Yeah. You had mm. to show the character to be this, yeah. you know, to yeah. represent this thing. You can't just after the fact be like, Oh no, there was a, there's Harry was trans the whole time. It's like, no, you have to show us that. He was trans, you know? <laughs> that would be the biggest <laughs> turn of events. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and then and then su- suddenly like oh yeah voldemort's black too huh? right. yeah, okay exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Miss> that <laughs> uh, that actually does lead me on uh because this is something i really was really wanted to talk to you about alex as well it's just about language because uh again i'm you know very aware that i'm coming um at this from a, a privileged position um uh, and and very aware that like it's um, a point that I'm not uh, particularly well versed in. So I'd love to know uh, just from your perspective. And obviously, this doesn't mean this goes for everyone. Uh, you know, I'm not asking you to speak on anyone's behalf, but just from your perspective, what kind of language do you find um, that it, it is um, acceptable? What sort of language do you think is um, uh, uh, like sort of useful or, or um, a positive, I guess, a, a way to positively speak about these things instead of um, in a negative way. Right. I think uh, so. I try to say a person with a mm. disability because, you know, it is a person first and then the disability mm. is second. Um, I said handicap earlier. So, I mm. mean, I'm OK with that term, but I also don't I, I prefer a person with disability. But, you know, if mm. I can say it. I think you guys can say it too. <laughs> At least to me. I'm not don't go calling strangers handicap or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a yeah. that's a top yeah. top tip there, guys. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, I think for me, um and I go between legally blind and visually mm-hmm. impaired just because mm-hmm. I have some vision. So mm-hmm. I'm not fully blind. Like, you know, when you think of blind, I think a lot of people think you just see pitch black 
But there's mm. actually a lot of variations on being blind. Like some people mm. only see, have peripheral vision. Some people can see like blurry things and can still read. So and there's a lot of variations right. even within blindness. So mm. I tend to go with visually impaired person because mm-hmm. that also makes me a VIP. Yeah. Which you know, who doesn't be <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, Alex, mm. I love that. I love but, that. We're just gonna call you VIP from now on. Exactly. That's your new, like, Live your life. That's gonna be rainy. your nickname. If we ever we say VIP on the show, now we're talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is, but that's uh, what I think, and you know, this is obviously just my perspective, and mm. you gotta be, you know, use the language that the person with the disability mm. wants you to use around them. So. Yes, that yeah, is my yeah. that's my top advice. You know, ask, and if they get mad, <laughs> then they might be one of these ranger assholes. That <laughs> because I feel like yeah. you ask, you know, how do you want me mm-hmm. to refer to, to your disability yeah. or something like that in a respectful way? Then they yeah. should not be negative mm-hmm. about it. They should tell you and say, mm-hmm. you know what, you said handicap earlier, and that offends mm-hmm. me. Please okay, use cool. this. Instead, yes you know thank you yeah. thank you very much for bringing up that point because i i mean like i I've, I've not necessarily like discovered it directly in any of my games but sometimes you know in the middle of the night when i'm not sleeping at 4 a.m i have these thoughts of like how would i approach a situation and that's really really useful just like you know i'm just knowing how to bring up a subject without being offensive um mm. i think that you know marginalized people tend to like go as a black South African, I'm always like, oh God, what can I say? Um, because I don't want to say the wrong mm. thing, right? Like, and mm. I want mm-hmm. and I want to approach somebody Absolutely. with like the utmost respect and I want to start a conversation. But um, it's really, really helpful to hear you say that that is a kind of safe space as long as it's like really respectful because then I can go yeah. into games and go, well, okay, cool. Um, let's have a discussion in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Alex, you've you've mentioned something there, which I think rings really true for all forms of representation, or uh, whenever you're talking about uh, mm. a sort of marginalized peoples, which is that you refer to them as people first. Yeah, uh, I think that's the that's the big thing yeah. that we said on this show is that you've got to make these people people before you make yes. them um, a stereotype, or before you start giving them sort of big overarching um, character traits uh, that are informed by you know, uh, race or like you said, disability or, mm. you know, uh, a, a, you know, vision impairment or whatever, mm. that they are mm-hmm. uh, a, a person before they are anything else. Um, yeah. And I think that really sort of hits the, hits the nail on the head there. Um, something that I'd love to throw out to you as well, Alex, is like, um, because I know that for us, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contentious things when we see people getting really angry about, you know, oh, you can't, like I saw someone the other day saying you can't have a black elf and I can't imagine how infuriating it must be uh yeah but but how infuriating it must be when you're constantly seeing people fighting back against like wheelchair users or do you know what i mean it's like it's just it's it's such a ridiculous sort of stance and and hill to die on uh that you can't allow someone else's imaginary world to contain their their own things you know i i Um, I find that weird (laughs) yeah uh and so so i'd love to sort of just you know how how has it been tackling that because i can't imagine you know i can certainly speak from my own experience in that i found it really difficult at times kind of shutting that out and feeling um feeling like an accepted part of the community um and i would sort of love to know what your experiences have been if you've had i mean i'd hope that you haven't had too many negative experiences um but you know they could be positive experiences as well just what have they been in terms of you know what's people's reaction been to you in being involved within the community and, and talking about things and you know that sort of thing yeah 
So I think that the the combat wheelchair that was recently published this hmm. summer, this past summer, has been a very good uh, motivator to help people realize that people with disabilities deserve to be represented in D anD D, and also kind of did start a a bit of an uproar from some people that are like, oh, you, you know, you can't use a wheelchair if you're an adventurer. It's like, well, here, let me show you how I can. Yeah. So I think that's been and great. Also, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if people can literally learn to fly, why can't a person in a wheelchair be there too? And like, maybe mm-hmm. on, later on exactly. he'll get wings and then he won't need the wheelchair, but for now he needs it and that's fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I think my, yeah. my, the people I've played with have been br- pretty great about this kind of stuff. And I know my DM has appreciated having me because it's helped him learn to describe things better because, you know, he can't just, well, obviously we're not playing in person right now, but he, when, when we were, he can't just point at the minis on the map and say, all right, here's the situation. No, he has to tell me because I'm there and I can't see mm-hmm. the board. So he's got to be like, well, you know, you're about 30 feet away from this troll and this other, your allies over here, you know, it's, I think it's helped him and even the other players too to help them learn to describe things better and kind of make the game even better yeah that we're all using more descriptive terminology because one of us can't mm. see <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and and would you look at that the one thing we yeah. always bang on about on this show it made the game like better, better you know <laughs> uh better. like as with all these things mm-hmm. it makes the game better it riches the game uh mm-hmm. having uh having this like mm-hmm. more open-minded approach because at the end of the day it's about imagination it's about uh in, it's about investing and if you if you come at that from a closed minded point of view you're always going to have a lesser experience in my mind you know what i mean for for my money i think you're always going to have a a less fulfilled Mm. experience um for sure the um i don't know if you've listened Mm. to our wagadu Mm -hmm. streams at all uh alex but um that setting uh aside from all of the other really cool things that are in that setting uh it actually has a a small section referencing the inclusion of disabilities uh, in the in the world of Wagadu, and it's I think in that in their I think their advice is to uh, if you're going to include uh, a PC with disabilities to allow that PC to uh, have like compensatory additional magical abilities to the extent that in some cases you end up more powerful than a regular character. I think they even <laughs> imply okay. that in that little section as well. Um, that it's it's like. I yeah I guess it's like you you I the, I don't know if it's like the forces inside of Wagadu or what but you it's like you have been granted additional abilities uh yeah. because like, I feel like the lore is that I feel like yeah. um, like in, in sort of like southern Africa well I know in like in southern, in southern African kind of like ancestral law and stuff um when uh so across Africa like if you're a twin if you're albino like there's a lot of like weird stuff around that and I think what, what the Wagadu mm-hmm. Chronicles has done has taken that thing that actually across the continent um can sometimes be quite a dangerous thing but is being seen in a far better light now and also with disabilities because initially initially <laughs> pre-colonially you would have been seen to be blessed by the gods 
actually right if you were um uh if you were sort of um uh hearing impaired or visually impaired um if you were melanin impaired whatever the case may be um so i think that what that's really done has taken has taken um something that somebody would think about as a disability or a disadvantage and said that no actually because of your clan you are now viewed as a higher being because of that and your ancestors mm-hmm. will bless you even further which it's just because I've just started like taking another degree and I'm like really learning about like African sensibilities. I just found, I found it exactly so I can read it for you. Okay. Oh, amazing. Um, it's, it has a section, uh, disabilities in Wagadu. A peculiar and unexplained thing that happens in Wagadu is that when people with disabilities fall, they gain some special powers related to whichever disability they had in the upper realms. Hmm. Uh, blind people gain 60 feet of yeah. tremor sense. Deaf people gain uh, advantage on all wisdom perception checks. Uh, that involve sight. Uh, mute people gain telepathy up to 60 feet affected by language comprehension. Uh, and people with walking disabilities are able to hover a few feet off the ground, uh, moving at speed similar to other players. Falling great heights affects them as everyone else. Yeah. Um, and it says players and DMs are interest- are encouraged to come up uh, and er, and discuss interesting solutions, keeping in mind that, Waga- in, that in Wagadu, disabled people might be rule-wise more powerful than other players. That's huh. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this leads me on really, really well, actually, to one of the, the last points I wanted to, to discuss with you, Alex, which was just that what would you uh, like to see, having now kind of thought about this and uh, and entered your consciousness, uh, as it were, that, 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 you know, there does need to be more representation of um, uh, people with uh, disabilities. What would you like to see more of within, like, core Dungeons and Dragons? Obviously, we've got things like Wagadu popping up now and sort of starting to really consciously think about it and, and address it. Um, but I'd love to know, like, for you, uh, is there anything that would, like, really excite you about, like, a an addition to 5e or, a, you know, something they include in a, in a later edition or something that w- would uh, make you feel a bit more seen, a bit more heard, and a bit more kind of, like, empowered to, um, I guess, either be yourself or to be, you know... It, other versions of you etc what mm-hmm. you know whatever you wanted to to play right i think so i love magic items as i think we all do and mm-hmm. so i think it'd be really cool to see like you know the combat wheelchair is a good example of a magic item that helps someone with a disability but it's like people that can walk would probably want to look at that thing and say where do i yeah. get one of those you know 100 <laughs> like, so like, <laughs> i think it'd be awesome if there was like a white cane that doubled as like you know kind of like daredevils where it has a grappling hook in there and you know you can spin Mm. around make two Mm. batons and stuff i know daredevil is probably not every blind person they might get sick of it because they're like well you know this is our only (laughs) our only representation and it's yeah it's basically a guy that can see with you know (laughs) so it's not great but you know (laughs) but yeah still i think you know magic a white cane that turned into a, like a weapon or had some other abilities or some prosthetic limbs that could do other things would be cool too. So I think yeah, some of those items would be great. And like the Wagadu thing, it's great that they just straight up put in there like, Hey, you know what? Blindness is a condition. If you are a player that can see, but if you can't see ever now you got tremor sense, which I think makes sense. And same with the the other disabilities that Jeremy mentioned. Um, 
I would, uh, I, I would, I, I feel like uh, we've touched on some really amazing uh, points there. I, I wanted to like throw to you, Alex, just if there's anything that uh, uh, you feel like we've missed, um, uh, I'd love to sort of like throw, give you the floor to, uh, to just, yeah, if there's anything that you feel like we've missed, anything that you feel like we could cover, anything that you feel like just, you know, our audience uh, and just the sort of wider TTRPG audience uh, would benefit from hearing uh, that perspective. <laughs> Um, and then I would kind of really love, I'm just really interested in some of these characters you've created because uh, 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 you've bigged them up now. So I want to like, maybe if like we could throw out one of your favorite characters you created as well, because uh, I'd love to hear that, give some inspiration to our audience about some, some awesome character creation. <laughs> okay, so I think we've actually touched on a lot of the things that I th- wanted to, and I think it's been a really good conversation. I'm not sure if there's anything else. I'm sure I'll th- we'll hang up the call and I'll think of. And immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, we'll absolutely fire, fire anything <laughs> over and we can, I mean, look, it's been, I mean, it's been awesome to talk to you. Like we got to get you back on the show and maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you got to come play with us at some point. Like it'd be, it'd be, oh, uh, I mean, it'd be awesome to have you. Now that the Wigadu, or now that, you know, you've pointed out that it says this thing, about having disability, I'm like, Ooh, this, I already wanted to try it. And now I'm, even more, mm. you know. Hey, maybe, maybe this, <laughs> maybe this monk, yeah. this monk dream is coming true in Wagadu. Oh, I mean, join yeah. us. That would be it awesome. is lovely. It is warm. <laughs> this is the new voice that Unati's been, been trying out recently, voice. and we're loving. It. I we're have loving been it doing yeah. too much yeah. voice back. I'm sorry. Really, like I can just picture her on her pile of gems. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And you start doing ASMRs and helping people. Go that, yeah, that's pretty much that's mm-hmm. how you would speak if you're lying on a on a bed of gems. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? You just everything's. Yes. I think everything's so. Just great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> buttery smooth between the the people feeding you grapes. You know. Yeah, that's how you. Would yes, talk. yeah, and fanning. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, being paid really well. To want to reiterate that she pays them <laughs> far too so well. Stupid so amounts well. of money. All right, so uh, one of the, my favorites that I made was a halfling uh, tavern keeper, and her wife was an adventurer that had retired, and then they owned a tavern together. And mm. the a mage came in and was like causing a ruckus, and the wife tried to like throw, basically toss him out. And the mage turned the wife into a flail with true polymorph. Ooh. And Whoa. then, then my uh, tavern keeper became a hexblade warlock with her wife as her packed weapon. That's it was super a lot cool. of fun. <laughs> and I her goal want to play just, her. I want her to play her. Goal was just you know try to figure out how to fix my wife whoa <laughs> so that was pretty cool whoa. that's really cool that did you have any way of like did, did they have any way of like communicating with their with their wife um, or is that just i did not have that but that would certainly have been an interesting thing if you could do that yeah. to like a telepathic bond or something and yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I'm just thinking of recently one of my characters picked up a spear which had like an essence of grumpsh inside it and it was mm-hmm. a very it led to some very funny scenarios yeah. uh, and I would be I'd love to see what would happen uh, for this person if their wife was inside this Whoa. flail <laughs> well and also like her stats like her strength and con were terrible because I was like well you know she's been running in tavern for that's a re- 10 yeah, that's years cool. like she's kind of pudgy mm. she's not in great shape because her wife was the adventurer she was just kind of the the like yeah. cook in the back of the shop so i thought that yeah. was a lot of fun it, i mean i i i played this for a little bit like mm. six months in a game that my the dm had a baby so we we stopped that one for now 
Man, right. the the the, yeah. the moment that you realize as a player how important constitution is, and you realize what an error you made when you put low constitution, when you were like, yeah. eh, I don't really need, I well, I got a seven, I've got a or an eight, I've got a use here for my yeah. rolled yeah. stats. I'll put that on constitution. Alex, why don't you give us another? Uh, uh, just give us another plug. Give us another. Uh, uh, everywhere we can find you on the internet. Um, uh, you know what's the Twitter, and uh, I don't know if you're on uh, Facebook or anything like that, but. Um, it'd be good to uh, oh, um, yeah, Instagram sure. sorry uh, just yeah let the halflings know whether we can find you your work um, if any of them have questions and things like that where can they where can they get in contact with you okay so yeah our website is a couple of characters podcast.com that's for our show we're on mm-hmm. Twitter at ACOC podcast and Instagram at that same uh, place my, I think my wife mainly just posts cat pictures so amazing I, I, I love your wife because yeah. i love cats i am in yeah. fact a cat <laughs> I, see i didn't know that this is just a glamour <laughs> yeah love that um let's see our i guess we have an email address i think it's a couple of characters pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and tell us about your cool characters or you know, if you try one of these characters, we'd love to hear how it went for you. And like, why was uh, having eight con terrible? Tell us your stories about terrible constitution and what it does to your characters. Because, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, I'm a sickly, sickly human with the plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Alex N Winterland. So, like, Alex in Winterland, but without the I, because there's not enough characters on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yes. But. Uh, yeah, I mainly just retweet our show or talk about other D and D things. So I'm not a bad person to follow. If you like D, amazing. <laughs> well, if you like D and D, then I think that's why you're here. So if you, yeah, if you made uh, it this far in the episode, you probably like D and D. Yes, exactly. Uh, so go and check uh, Alex out and all of uh, oh, all of his glory uh, and his show. Uh, it sounds uh, amazing. I'm really excited to go and check that out. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Um, oh, thank you guys for, so much for having uh, me for today. Uh, it's been really awesome, and hopefully, we'll get to uh, talk to you on the show again sometime soon. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. So long, so long Shire, Shire folk. folk. So long, Shire folk.